Joining us now is the senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, Jack Hibbs. Jack's numerous ministries reach from West Africa to the South Pacific. Jack, thanks so much for joining us again on Takeaways. Kurt, I'm honored. Thank you, brother. So, Jack, we've got a, a big, big election coming up, and everyone knows about the presidential elections when those come up, but not so much with the midterm elections, although we're hearing a lot more about it this time because of this cultural moment that we're in. So uh, should this be on our minds as Christians? Is this something that's on your mind? Well, listen, it's obviously on my mind as it is on yours, and the Christian and the caring citizen of this nation must discipline themselves right now to get involved in this midterm. Somebody's going to ask why. Because what we're talking about regarding Congress and the Senate, we're looking at what could be a shift that will stop the crazy, that will stop the direction this nation is going. And we must take this midterm so seriously, Kirk, like never before. Uh, this is something that could really preserve life. It could preserve the republic. It could preserve our military. This vote could be, quite frankly, more important even than the presidency in 2024, because if the conservative biblical worldview mind gets out and votes, and we go back to our nation's roots in our ethics and in our belief system, that whoever's president could actually either have no power at all or tremendous power because uh, of the Congress, the Senate. Uh, so yes, it's an extremely big deal, and we're making a lot of noise about that. So this is a chance for people who have faith and character to put representatives in place that represent our values. And if we don't do that, we leave the leadership of the country up to people with inferior values who will crush over the good values. Is that, is that a right understanding? You're exactly right. Sir Edmund Burke said, all that evil needs to do to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Uh, allow me to say it like this. Please do the right thing. That's, that's called doing righteousness. It's when nobody's looking or when everybody's looking, you do the right thing. And the right thing is to vote to defend the republic that God has given us as believers. And so we need to be good stewards over the freedoms that God has given us. If we sit it out, Kurt, then we are, th then we're throwing uh, the gift God gave us through our founding fathers, we're throwing that right into the camp of the enemy. And, 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 and it's, not, it's not any longer, well, I don't know if I'm going to vote or not. In this country, thank God, still to this moment, we don't change governments with bombs and guns. We're not like some banana mm. republic somewhere in the world. We actually change our government by using a pen and a ballot. It is absolutely amazing. My fear, Kirk, is that too many people have gotten content, happy, I don't know, lazy. They're not defending what has been given to us. God bless our military. But listen, our military is trusting us to give them good leaders. And our part is to vote in a way that honors a Judeo-Christian worldview value. Granted, not every candidate can walk on water. Jesus' name is not on the ballot. The Messiah is not coming on Air Force One, but there's somebody on the ballot that is better than the other guy or the other gal. And we need to vote for that person who holds closest to our biblical worldview value. With this midterm election coming up, we're not just electing 
who's going to make our laws, but at the state level, we're also being uh, talking, we're talking about electing governors and mayors and things that happen right in our own little communities. So it's not just a federal thing, and it's, it's, it's really very much a local thing that happens to me and my county and my community, right? Well, not only are you right, but we all remember in this post-COVID world, the dynamic that took place with governments and local politics and churches, houses of worship. And so for us, let me underscore how right you are. For us, our mayor goes to our church. Most of our police force goes to our church. We've got judges that attend our church. You say, what does that matter? It mattered huge during COVID because they were giving us the encouragement to keep doing what we're doing. And what does this mean? It means really the most basic government is your local government. That's right. You got to get involved. You got to get involved in PTA, school board, mayor, a city council. Get involved. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, again, I, I've been learning this from, from guys like you and, and my friend, Dr. Marshall Foster, who's recently gone to be with the Lord, that the first form of government that God made was not uh, the, the federal government. It was actually self-government. Adam was supposed to self-govern in the garden and, and, and not eat from the tree that he wasn't supposed to eat from. If the professing evangelicals would have voted in the last two elections, we would have had a different world here in America. That's right. Uh, and, and you say, well, we're Democrat or Republican. Forget that. Go read the platforms of the parties. It's very simple. Read the platform. Take you a moment. That will tell you as a Christian who to be looking for. And then please apply this rule. It's foolproof. No matter what the candidate is saying, Kirk, on the commercial, just mute it. Look up their voting record because their voting record never lies. They might say, well, I'm pro-life, but they voted against life. Then they're lying to you when they're campaigning. Voting records are the proof positive of how you should or should not vote for any mm. candidate that's running. And if it's a fresh candidate, walk right up to them and say, look, you've got no voting record. Where are you on family values, pro-life? And where are you on the definition of marriage? What do you think about local government, federal government? Find out. And you know what? It's been my experience for decades. You're going to know where they stand in about 60 seconds by how they answer your question. Jack, sometimes you talk about the difference between being political and being influential. Uh, what's the difference, and, and should we be doing both? Yeah, I think there's a big difference. Uh, you mentioned the word government numerous times, and so you should have. According to the Bible, in the book of Exodus, God is the one that instituted government. It's one of his sacred institutions, marriage the church, and government. Well, what's wrong? What's happened? We have politicized government. We've made, we've taken government that was to operate under the rule of God, and we have injected man's sovereignty, man's authority, and that's called politics. That's where we step in as believers with good stewardship, and we get back to the government that God has given us. Like you said, amazing declaration of independence, our Bill of Rights, the Constitution. Nations of the world covet our founding documents, our nation's birth certificates. We need to get back to those things. Mm. If we don't, then politicians will politic our citizenship. Jack, help us understand how our faith, our Christianity informs our understanding of what freedom is. Is freedom uh, anything to, that we want to do or is freedom something different for the Christian? 
I believe that liberty and freedom, I happen to agree with not only the Bible, but Samuel Adams articulated this so well that Thomas Jefferson is the one that said there never would have been a revolution without Samuel Adams' understanding of liberty. And Sam Adams said, I got my understanding of liberty from the pastor at the church I go to. Liberty is something God puts in the human heart. Man craves to be free. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says to stand firm in the liberty that Christ has set us free and no longer become entangled in the things of the past or the things of this world. Absolutely. The believer should understand liberty better than anybody. We should be the greatest, uh, I think, defenders of liberty. And I think that we as citizens who love the Lord first and we thank him for our nation, we need to speak up and we need to engage people to protect the liberty of this country. Imagine liberty to go out tonight if you want to eat pizza, liberty to sleep in your own bed, liberty to spend a dollar the way that you want to, liberty to go to the beach on Saturday and church on Sunday. If you think that's important, then you need to vote for the right people. I mean, this is absolutely essential to our existence. I'm so thankful that uh, we can be liberated not only to do the things that we want to do in this country uh, because we have the freedom to do that, but we're also liberated internally from the power and the penalty of sin, which actually gives us the right perspective to know what to protect. There is a liberty and freedom that is responsible And then there's a liberty and freedom that is perceived that leads to bondage. If I exercise my right, for example, to go do whatever I want, you are actually changing the definition of liberty. You're changing the definition of freedom because, okay, yeah, sure. I'm free to go get drunk and, and, and go do whatever. And if I kill somebody, I'm immediately led into bondage. That's not freedom. Freedom demands and anticipates logic, reason, responsibility, and frankly, the fear of God. This is the key. We must be in awe of God again as Mm. a country, and that's what's going to cause me to drive the speed limit. That's what's going to cause me to be nice to somebody I don't like. I don't like them, but God says, Jack, I love them, and you're to bless your neighbor. So I obey him instead of me and Everybody is blessed. But when I choose to be my own leader, then I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. And then you'll have anarchy and you'll have kind of the country. And in some of the cities where people are doing whatever they want and they're not free, they're laying on the streets of L.A. today, wiped out on fentanyl because they thought that they wanted to be free from God. Never works right. Jack, In our culture right now, there are so many concerns, so many things that are worth fighting for, so many things worth protecting. How do we as Christians discern the top tier issues? I think number one is that we are to have what you and I talk about so often uh, on and off camera is a biblical worldview. That means that I'm to view the value of things around me based upon Christ assessment of things. And the Bible's very clear about this. I'm to love my wife, my kids, Right, I am to be involved in the in the in the bringing up in in, in my family in a godly way. Mm-hmm. I can't run around and save the county and save the city unless my home 
right, is being loved and taken care of. When we seek first the kingdom of God, as Matthew 6, 33 tells us, Jesus is speaking, everything else falls into its place. So we must do the right thing. But there's some things that the Bible assumes that we're doing as believers. And that is that we've got a heart to follow after God. And even tonight, if we just decided, I'm going to pursue God from this moment on, California, Texas, wherever you're at, Colorado, you could wake up tomorrow and actually be taking your community by, by taking your home, husbands praying for their wives, praying for their kids. I believe God will honor that and he's going to take care of all of the other things that are happening on the, on the extremities. Take care of the core hmm. and he'll take care of the things that are outward. I can't save Los Angeles, but I can sure get my granddaughter and grandsons and my wife and my children uh, loved on by the example Christ has called me to do. And so that's where we start. I know that sounds simplistic, but we can't do it, by the way, without the power of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to start there. We've got to go back there. Jack, what, what guides you in your discernment to know when to speak up about a particular issue? And we're talking about this in the context of the uh, the elections coming up and all the issues that we're concerned about. And then to know when to keep quiet about things. And as a pastor, people are looking to you to say, hey, what's what's the what's the grid that, that, that I should have so that when issues come through, I'm saying, hey, I'm not talking about that one. I'm going to let people deal with it on their own or I'm going to speak up and, and make a make a, a fuss about this. I get asked to get involved in more things. Uh, then I get involved in. I, I don't do it. People will ask me, what, you need to speak out about this. You need to speak out about that law, about this thing, about the other. And instantly the biblical rudder within me uh, just says, no, I tell you what, God bless you in your venture to do that. I, I'm for you, but that's not for me to speak out. I actually know uh, God will make it really clear to me. Uh, and there's only a few things, by the way, he'll make it really clear to me, Jack, this is your wheelhouse. Mm. This is what I've called you to speak to. And the number one thing in my life is, for example, here in California, Proposition 1. The governor is is uh, throwing out Proposition 1. Prop 1. See, what's Prop 1? Uh, they're doing everything to keep it quiet. Governor Newsom and his team up in Sacramento believes that they need to amend the state constitution so that in response to Roe v. Wade being overturned, that the California state constitution needs to enshrine abortion all the way up to, are you sitting down, everybody? birthday, the birthday of the baby. The baby can be killed on its birthday. That's prop one. I am committed with every fiber bit I have, Kurt, to stop prop one. You say, what gives you the passion? God hates murder. God hates murder. God demands us to protect the innocents and those who have no ability to defend themselves. That is something I don't have to pray about. I mean, I pray, God, how do I attack this issue that offends you? But those things like that, uh, the, the mutilation of children now being done by doctors, um, the, the thing that's going on where it's so against science, where God says, I've made you male and female. And then for us to redefine science, oh, no, no, S science has the same author as the Bible. It's the almighty God of scripture. Mm. So those things are passionate for me. And if somebody gets mad at me, Kirk, that's okay. I can go to my Bible. That's, that's the defining point. The Bible says this. And so you can say anything you want about me. I love you anyway. Jack, one of the phrases that we often hear within the uh, Christian culture is um, that, that we are in the world, but not of the world. 
What do you think about that phrase? Sometimes I think it get, gets used uh, and it gets filled with, 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 a, with a right meaning and, then, and a wrong meaning. Maybe it needs to be nuanced a little bit. Uh, how, how do we apply that concept? Boy, I tell you, I hope, hope people keep watching after I say this. Uh, I kind of find the same statement connected with the same uh, announcement. Well, brother, uh, I just preach the gospel. I don't get involved in that other stuff. I see those two statements trafficking together. Um, we need to realize something. Faith, true faith is active. Faith is a verb. Um, if you tell your wife you love her and never do a thing to express that or defend that or to uh, uh, promote that, she's going to wind up doubting if your statement's true. So I think it's Augustine that said, uh, preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. I love that. We need to be active, showing our faith, and that is in every area. Jesus summed it up by saying, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father which is in heaven. But what do you say, if I could push back here, Jack, I want to say the guy who says, well, wait a minute, no, no, no. What we mean is uh, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm, I'm with Jesus in heaven. That's what I care about. This world, not so much. So, hey, yeah. I'm just biding my time, enjoying my, uh, my Chick-fil-A and decorating my house right. with Hobby Lobby waiting for the rapture. I don't need to get involved yeah, in yeah, the yeah. midterm elections. Yeah, exactly. I would have them read the Old Testament and the New Testament. Both of those testaments have got believers involved in what's happening around them. A.W. Tozer said, it has been my discovery to find that those who have done the most for this world are the ones who have waited for the world to come. So here's the, here's the thing, is that when we say I'm all about, I'm, I'm heavenly minded, I don't need to be earthly minded. No, you're, you're to be heavenly minded so that it makes a difference here on earth. We cannot be passive in the face of evil. Uh, the Old and New Testament knows nothing about us being passive and disengaged. We are to be engaged, and it's crystal clear on that. And I'll put, uh, I'll put a cap on it this way. When they brought a, a, a coin to Jesus, they said, Jesus, uh, regarding taxes and authority and all, Who's, uh, this is a coin uh, for Caesar. So Jesus held it up and said, whose who's inscription's on the coin? And they said, Caesar's. And so Jesus, brilliant. Jesus said, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. We don't get that in the Western world, but they all got it in an instant. They knew Rome belonged to God Italy belonged to God. The Roman Empire belonged to God. Caesar belonged to God. The coin belonged to God. Caesar's palace, Caesar's salad, it all belonged to God. <laughs> and they got that. Everything, Sacramento belongs to God. Washington, D.C. belongs to God. So that means it's under my jurisdiction to influence for good. But Jack, someone might say, God is sovereign. You know, we can, we can toil away and do what we want, and, and you can get involved in politics if that's your thing, but in the end, God is going to determine everything. So what is God's job, and what is our job? Yeah, first of all, our job is to follow God, who is at, uh, faithful at his job. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, this way. God tells Jonah, right, go to Nineveh and announce to them, I'm going to fry the place. Okay, just walk around it and tell them they're all going to burn up. I'm going to let them have it. So Jonah's very excited because the Assyrian Empire was horrific and the capital was Nineveh. And so Jonah, being a good Jew, was so delighted that God's going to fry their enemies. 
And so he announces this horrific message of, hey, you know, 40 days and you guys are going to fry. And what happens is the people begin to cry out to God. They repent. Everybody's fasting, including the animals. And they go into a state of mourning. These are pagans crying out to the God of the Jews. And God says, okay, wait, stop. Press destruction, press the pause button. And God gave them 40 years of mercy. God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, God has built in his option to exercise mercy. The same goes for us. Listen, God has given us built-in sovereignty. We are to choose, though. We're responsible for what we choose and what we do not choose, knowing this. We don't get all the glory for being able to choose. We thank God for giving us the ability to choose, but that doesn't mean we're not responsible for our decisions. God's not going to make you do something. Thus, obedience, that requires choice, doesn't it? God says, obey me, which means you have a choice. God didn't make robots. He made us in his image. You and I can create, we can love, we can choose to hate if we want to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can, listen, this is a serious issue. I'm glad you brought it up. We must choose to obey God, that because God is sovereign and I'm called into obedience. If I disobey, it's gonna cost me. And so, look, I believe the rapture of the church could happen right now, but I'm also fighting for my grandchildren. And somebody might say, how do you do that? It's easy. The Bible says, occupy till I come. And that's what I'm doing. What are some of the things that you're hoping that Christians are doing leading up to the midterm election? Practically speaking, uh, praying, uh, researching, educating. I mean, what, what are some of the things that we should be mindful of doing? Number one thing, yes to what you just said, but don't do it in a bubble. Make sure that your kids know that you, sit your kids down, show them the civics that you're starting to do. You're, you're looking at websites, you're, you're looking at voting records, you're praying, kids, let's pray. You guys, we have an election coming up. Let's pray right now. Let's pray that God gives us the best mayor or the best governor. You get them involved and you get them involved in the process, but by all means, here and now, the uh, the voter needs to baptize themselves into the things that God has given us the ability right here and now to be responsible for. Kurt, this is a, a tremendous thing that I'm about to say. Most people don't even know, including those in the pulpit, they don't even appreciate the scope of, of responsibility that God has given us to be stewards that this nation, I don't believe this nation is in the hands of Sacramento or D.C. I believe it's in the church's hands. And that means I believe it's in the pulpit's hands, the pastor's hands. The pastor in this hour, oh my gosh, this is our moment to be so on fire for Jesus. It's so obvious that we're living at this amazing moment. The hour is ours if we want it. He's extending us the opportunity of freedom to exercise. Mm. If pulpits caught fire fearlessly right now, this nation would turn in a moment because it'd be supernaturally blessed by God and he would turn what seems impossible, including California. Look, I've not moved from this state. I'm here fighting because it's my home. And if any good thing can come out of Nazareth, well, it did. If anything good can come out of California, well, it just might because God could do a work here and I'm committed to that. And I pray that everybody in every state and every city would just do it for Jesus. Can you just get involved for Jesus' sake? 
Lay aside your reputation. Lay aside what your friends might say or or not say about you. Do it for Jesus. Let your light shine. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.